Hello and welcome to another episode of EG Like Sunday Morning, once again hosted by me, Piers Wainer, while Jess tops up his tan. I'm joined this week by EG's deputy editor, Tim Burke. Say hello to the folks, Tim. Hello to the folks, Tim. Very good. And newcomer Shante Bohitigay. Did I say that right? You did. <laughs> Brilliant. We were talking earlier, we, we were having a little chat about um, about people getting other people's names wrong. Um, mine is often mispronounced. And in fact, it was mispronounced the first time I appeared on EGLSM when um, I was called Pierce Wiener by uh, by Jess. So um, I wouldn't want to inflict that on anybody else. So I'm glad I got that right. <laughs> but only after you told me how to say it properly. Tim, do you do you ever get that? Do you ever get anybody getting your name utterly wrong? No, it's quite an it's quite an easy one. Although people do sometimes just uh, opt for Burke. Yes, and is that before they know that it's your name? It is. It is. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> right. Enough of this nonsense. Uh, Shante, welcome to the team. And we're only Thank a couple you. of days in, aren't we? How how long have you been with EG? Two weeks now. Yeah, two weeks today. This will be the end of my second week. Two weeks. And we've already got you working weekends. So yes. mean. Uh, <laughs> And what, what patches and, and bits of the market are you covering with us? Yeah, so I'm covering uh, the coveted London and Occupy markets, um, which is extremely exciting. I was very happy when I found out, I have to say, not that I'm biased at all, um, but I definitely think I have the most exciting exciting patch to be covering. I would agree with that. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, well, we'll hear more about that um, shortly. But first, I'm, I'm going to go over to Tim. Um because uh, a, a number of the big agents had some results out this week, didn't they? And um, they're all pretty good. Like Savile's first half revenue broke the one billion pound ceiling. Cushman's leasing revenues alone over a billion. JLL up 17%. All really good news. So, Tim, can you explain yourself? Why have you been so full of doom and gloom? Well, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, but you're right. All of the backwards looking numbers, all of the Q2 and H1 results that we've seen over the, the last week or so have looked really good. But um, I have been focused in on the rather more downbeat outlook of mm. what is what is to come. And there was quite a bit of gloom right across those firms as to as to what might be happening in in the coming months, particularly from the U.S. headquartered names. Um, CBRE actually. Uh, basically um, changed the entire structure of their analyst earnings call around it. They said, we'd normally give you pre-prepared notes on what happened during the past quarter, um, but this time we're also going to give you pre-prepared notes on how bad we think things are going to get over the wow. remainder of the year, which feels like quite a little thing. But if you're, if you're upending your own earnings call structure for the sake of um, talking about how tricky stuff's going to get over the second half, then it's clearly sort of front of mind for you. And CBRE, Cushman and JLL, all had a lot to say about, um, first of all, the recessionary risks over mm -hmm. um, over the rest of the year, and particularly how that's going to play through both into market activity, but also their own companies. And, and costs were brought up again and again by analysts who were covering these, um, these firms who wanted to know how the big names are going to get to grips with these. And so all of these agencies were talking about um, limiting new hires, not yet talking about cutting jobs. So, I mean, you've got to be thankful for uh, thankful for that. It's all relative, right? But limiting new hires and doing their best to pull back on, on what they call discretionary expenses. So things like um, allowing people to travel, um, entertaining expenses that aren't, that aren't always seen as strictly necessary, um, those kind of things. 
So how much of this is is off the back of the fact that during COVID, everything clamped down, you know, all that sort of discretionary spending was reduced to almost nothing. Um, and then after COVID, that's all come back. And how much of it is that other thing that we saw post COVID with with just that titanic struggle for talent, people offering higher and higher salaries and bigger and bigger incentives? I think it's a mix. It's a mix of both. Like the comparables, yeah, it's it's really notable. And and um, Savile CFO Simon Shaw was talking about this in an interview with us this week. When you're comparing spending this year with last year, you have to you have to take into account the fact that you know people um, weren't travelling to Mipim, for example, mm. last year. Um, you you simply couldn't during lockdown be jetting around um, and seeing and seeing clients, but. Even taking that into account, um, the you bring up the wage costs there. Those have spiralled. And I had a few conversations with recruiters this week who, who said that we've reached a point where, particularly for more junior talent within the agencies, and this was kind of UK specific, um, we might have reached a point where if we do go into a recession, some of those salaries are just going to look completely unsustainable. Right. Um, I, I think, as as uh, as our editor Sam McClary put it, we may have made too much hay while the sun while the sun shone. As I say, no one yet talking about making any any job cuts, but recruiters in the UK are already saying they're seeing a slowdown um, a slowdown in in hiring. So if things got if things got really bad economically before the end of the year i suppose that's something that's something you could see is this gloomy enough for you what what i was pretty to be pouring into readers uh listeners ears over the weekend happy sunday happy sunday (laughs) yeah it is it is pretty gloomy isn't it and quite a few of the um the recruiters that you you were talking to they were saying that they did think that some job cuts would be coming down the line is that right or were they still saying that it's you know we're not there yet we're not don't have to worry about that yet it's difficult to say because I mean, who know who knows what's going to happen over the next sort of six months or so. Most were saying that if we did see a sharp recession, you would expect to see cuts within the big agencies. Um, equally, you might see, and you know, Savills made this point again, talking about their their interim results. You might see firms that think, well, this is a good opportunity to snatch up talent from yeah. other from other businesses. And a, a bunch of the agencies were singling out business lines where they thought, listen, we're, we're not going to want to. Um, we're not going to want to look understaffed in this area. So um, data centers were singled out, life sciences, sort of really fast growing business lines like that. You would you could expect to see firms think this is a chance for us to make sure we've got a really strong bench and we're ready for when the recovery comes. I mean, it's still pretty doomy and gloomy, isn't it? Yeah, I don't want to get, you know, I, I wouldn't want that to sound too upbeat. But there have, there have been some good news stories, haven't there? Uh, Shante, you've, you've covered some, some nice positive stories this week. Do you want to lift us all? back up again before you know, <laughs> I'll do my listeners. best we did have some exciting planning things um going on this week which was really nice um so we've got an update on Diageo's new Covent Garden Guinness hub um yes. which is a really exciting new development so that's the 73 million pound development they've got in Covent Garden so that's a uh, a Mercer's company development so the site's about 50,000 square foot and um and there was a planning and- meeting on Tuesday um, to discuss whether they got approval, which was which was definitely an interesting one. Tim and I were actually having a discussion about it before I went and saying how colourful um, planning meetings can be sometimes. And uh, and this one certainly was that it went on till about 11 o'clock at night. So it was it was an interesting one. There was a lot of debating going on. So were there were there, were there um, many people with um, opposition to to the plans? Yeah, quite a lot. So wow. I believe there was 
27 residents uh, from the area that opposed. Yeah, so there was quite a lot of residential opposition. Um, There were a few residents who came and spoke at the meeting and were um, extremely upset about the the prospect of having a big new drinks-led development in the area where they live. Um, well, this, I mean, this is a very good point because Soho and, and much of central London is very quiet after all. Yes. I mean, it's a really peaceful uh, area to live. And, Imagine and, having <laughs> moved there and then hearing that people are going to be opening bars and drinking establishments. You'd be really upset. You, just, you move to Soho for a nice, quiet life and then <laughs> this happens. <laughs> Well, exactly. This is part of the part of the debate. I mean, the the site they have is a residential area where there aren't any other sort of late night venues open to the time that they were um, they were recommending in the initial application. So I think that was a big point of contention, along with the the look of the development, which mm-hmm. they said was going to really be disrupting um, the local surroundings. There's a lot of heritage um areas around there so I think that was another big point of contention in the meeting I know that um Councillor Ruth Bush who was chairing was extremely unhappy with um with the proposed look of some of the extensions particularly the roof terrace um that would be going up so she sort of said I'm I'm not at all happy with the, the heritage aspect of it and I I'm strongly opposed to the look of it and don't think there's been much consideration given to how it will fit in with the surroundings so she was very much set that she wasn't convinced. But did it get the green light? It did. It did in the end. It was voted uh, three to one in favour with two deferring. Mm, that's going to have a microbrewery in it. Is it right? is. Yes, it's going to have a microbrewery. So it's multiple different um, sites that they're going to have. But it's essentially centering around Old Brewer's Yard in Covent Garden. Yeah. And um, they're going to change the big H&M on um, Mercer Walk. That's going to be the site yes. of the microbrewery. So does this mean we're we going to be able to get uh, like a, a decent pint of Guinness in, in London? I am well, absolutely voting. They are going to e- be brewing in the basement. There will be <laughs> brewing happening on site and tours available. So Apparently that, that thing idea. about it being made of Liffey water and that being the reason, apparently that's a complete myth. It's just because they, oh. you know, they, they, they keep the pubs in better condition over in Dublin. But I think, <laughs> you know, because... I mean, if it is, if you don't really want them using Thames water, do you? That's, <laughs> no, that's not as charming, not. is it? <laughs> Should we do an Ooh, EG team is visit? Why is so awful? Yes, EG team visit when it opens, absolutely. That would be yeah. amazing. Well, they do do tours, so we could definitely get get on a tour and get some samples as we oh, tour well, around. Love it. <laughs> um, anything else that you've you've had this week? Yeah, so I had another um, development in Mayfair, which was really interesting. So O H Grafton developers were granted approval for their demolition and redevelopment of Grafton Street. So they've got some yes. office space there. So this is the one that was going to be the, the fancy hotel a couple of years ago. Is that yes, yeah. the Louis Vuitton Hotel, the ruined yeah. sort of most expensive hotel in London, um, which was really interesting. So they pulled out and after that, they um, they decided that they were going to adjust their existing plans for the site. So they're now going to have um, a restaurant, a bar, some apartment hotel units and the originally planned hotel, which is supposed to have um, sort of 94 rooms. Which but is no longer, no longer Louis Vuitton. It's no longer it, Louis Vuitton. No, it was sort of down budget. Is it now a Primark hotel or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing. The developers sort of said in the meeting, well, we've, we've got some interested other buyers that are popping up. And there was there was another thing that I spotted that you did this week, which was something about, wasn't it con- turning Canary Wharf into a shooting range? Or have I misread that? No, that seems a bit right. extreme. I, mean, I realise things are going a little bit badly at the moment, but yeah, 
No, so um, the the bottom floor of uh, Cabot Square in Canary Wharf will be turned into um, a new trigger bar location, which is essentially a virtual clay pigeon shooting bar. So they're going to have that Brilliant. at the bottom of Cabot Square um, under all the office space on the ground level. Isn't there, hasn't somebody also proposed um, somewhere in Canary Wharf, where it's like a driving experience where you go and literally drink and drive and now yeah. you've got drinking and shooting? Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of exciting things happening in Canary Wharf at the moment with those sorts of developments because they're trying to trying to diversify a bit and have separate um, entertaining spaces near the offices that people can go to after work, which is exciting. And what do you need after a hard day's work? You just need to go and shoot something. I it keep is. seeing executives, executives from Canary Wharf Group are sharing images of themselves swimming in the docks there at the moment. I just like really? they, the, the whole the whole setup is, is, um, has wow. just gone overboard, quite literally, in terms of sort of pushing the extracurricular activities there. It's amazing. <laughs> is this, is this Go-karting, shooting, swimming. Yeah, it is. Well, who needs to go to a shooting bar if you can just jump in the Thames and go for a swim? <laughs> well, look, I mean, also, if it's if, if the water's clear enough and clean enough to go swimming in, then maybe you can use it to make the Guinness. Maybe so. I wouldn't like to chance it. No, no. Let's, we'll send Tim first. Okay. <laughs> but, um, Tim, there's, there's, more, there's, there's more sort of um, doomy and gloomy stuff. It's not doom and gloom. It's just... Um, go on, what have you got? Well, I just I just wanted to ask you um, while I've got you, while we've got you, Tim, what's going on with Palace Capital? No one knows what's going on with Palace <laughs> Capital. It is uh, we Piers and I were totting these numbers up. I think Palace Capital has now had five pretty major resignations in the space of less than two months. It is becoming very difficult to keep up with what is going on uh, what once seemed like quite a quite a stable um office focused uh, office focused investment firm we've uh, since mid-june seen neil sinclair its its founder um walk out of the door followed by its three independent uh directors and just this morning um another board member its its executive property director has um has stepped down over the course of that period, we've also seen a, a, a strategy rethink and then what I suppose you call a strategy re-rethink, um, a share buyback. And I mean, potentially, based on their last statement, um, everything simply being put up for sale. This all this all comes on the back of a lot of talk about activist investors who've taken chunks of that business being um, mm. less than enamored with the returns that it was giving them. But it doesn't yet feel like anyone's got a very clear idea of what um, what needs to be done to turn that situation around other than simply you'd, you'd getting as much cash to give back to shareholders um, as is possible up to and possibly including just um, putting the whole thing on the block. Share I price is looking quite good though. It, I mean, that's exactly what I was about to say when the share price is doing well. I mean they launched they launched the buyback which they've been under pressure to do for for a while so you'd kind of expect it to you'd expect it to get a bump from that anyway but it's looking yeah. um it's looking pretty good so maybe there's um hey maybe there's a turnaround on the way. This could be the good news story we've been looking for. Exactly. It's not all doom and gloom. Can we do a quiz? Let's yes, do a please. quiz. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Right. Who wants to go first? Shantae, your call. Would you like first or second? Go on. You go first, Tim. I'll go second. Okay. All right. Tim, who has crowned her non-exec portfolio by joining the board of Cadogan this week? I literally looked at this this morning um, and now... And now I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> oh, can I steal? <laughs> you can't. Should we, should we let him, let's on. let him sweat and struggle for a little um, bit longer. Go on. He's literally sweating. 
Actually, I am very hot. Uh, it was um, it was Alison Nima. Oh, very good. Shante, I, I assume that's what you were going to say. Yes. Yeah. Sadly, he, he got there just in time. Um, excellent. But your question, let's go over to you. But I, I'm, um, I'm glad you gave I'm glad I got one that wasn't published while I was on holiday. This was my biggest fear of this. All the things I haven't read, I'm now going to be uh, shown up on. I think I've been quite nice. I think I've been kind. Um, so, Shante, which independent reviewer has now joined the very institution he was tasked with reviewing? But don't worry, though, he is still independent. Oh, gosh. I don't know. See, you should have gone first. I should have gone first. Um, Luck of the draw. I'm going to take a wild guess. Um, Mark Cabney? I know that's not right. <laughs> oh no, 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 it's not. But um, no, Tim, do you want to do you want to jump in there? This is um, Bishard taking a role at Rick's <laughs> to oversee the very recommendations that he made. Nothing to see here. It's all absolutely fine and above board. <laughs> well, I mean, who 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 would be better? Exactly, because he's he's going to know those recommendations pretty well. Isn't like he? the back of his hand. Yeah, yes. almost like he wrote them himself. <laughs> so I mean, who could be better? I think so. That's that's one nil to Tim so far. I'm not going to give him a mark for that. He's you know, no, 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 don't. There's no point taking. Doesn't doesn't deserve it. Um, <laughs> right, Tim, your next one. Brookfield is planning to spin off its asset management arm later this year, but who has just been named the chair? Um, Connie. It is. She was. Ju- she was just one question out. Exactly. I mean, that's <laughs> not right. I really should have you gone so first. should have gone first. I should have gone first. first. Right. If this has taught you nothing else, Shante, this is, this is, you, you've got Next to be up there. You've got to be. You've got to be first. Be choosing first. Okay. All exactly. right. All right. <laughs> Shante, your next question: The Groucho Club in Soho has been sold for forty million to an outfit called Art Farm, not Ant Farm. Um, they're the guys who have posts in Bruton and Bremer and also LA, because those are three places that just obviously go together in anyone's mind. But here's the question: How did the Groucho Club? get its name oh i don't know i knew about the deal but i don't know how they got their name tim any guesses i don't know no i don't know it's from an old quote it's an old groucho marx quote he said i don't want to belong to any club who will accept me as a member <laughs> oh i mean i know the quote but i didn't realize that it was direct so directly linked exactly okay yeah. wow i really have it's learned something from club. this this eg like sunday morning Every day's a school day, even yeah. Sundays. Yeah. Uh, Tim, we're back to you. Hang on. Right. I always forget what the scores are. Are we? Is it really? Is it really two? I don't know. How many? How many? How many questions have we got? Twenty-seven. Should we oh. keep going? Crikey. That's okay, all right. It's yeah. just six today. You're lucky. I mean, I haven't got anything better to do with my day. I don't know why I'm acting as though I need to wrap this up. <laughs> we're fine. Carry on as you were. Donald Trump was up before New York's Attorney General, Letitia James, this week over allegations of fraudulent valuations at his property empire. The former president availed himself of his constitutional right to take the fifth. But how many of her 440 questions did he actually answer? I thought it was I, I think it's none. Although, do you have to like answer one to, to confirm your name or something like that? I'm going to go with none. It's a, you're exactly right. He had to answer one simply to confirm his name. But otherwise, he, he said that he wasn't going to answer it and then just said, I refer you to my earlier answer. That was the worst Trump impression anyone's ever done. I um, thought that was quite good. God, it must have yeah. pained him not to be talking. <laughs> 
Well, he did. He did send in a submission where he he said that it was the greatest witch hunt in American history. Um, clearly forgetting, <laughs> you know, McCarthy's witch hunt and of course the Salem witch trials. So, last question, Shante. Yeah. Why have plans for a 113 home resi scheme in Digbeth been turned down this week? Oh, was this in a this was in a Cancer story, wasn't it? It was, yes. Ah. Oh. Um. I'm going to be over three. I don't know. Oh. I know I've re- I've seen the story, but brains blank. In fairness, at the time that we're recording this, although Jess always likes to pretend it's being streamed live on a Sunday, um, the story has only been live for a matter of minutes. So, what, what do you mean, Tim? Of course, this is Sunday morning. I don't know what you mean. Oh, we're oh, all working oh, very hard. Oh, hang on, hang on. Was this the nightclub? It is the nightclub. Yes. yes. Oh, oh, it was noise. Exactly, exactly. I love this story. I love that the fact was a good that so story. They, I mean, obviously, the, the the company behind the residential scheme, we, we feel deep sympathies, <laughs> etc. But the idea, you know, you go from from the, the Guinness thing of people complaining, oh, no, we can't have noise in a city centre. That's a terrible yeah. idea. Um, to then the councillors on this Digbeth one saying, no, 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 don't build a resi scheme there because there's the Nightingale Club nearby and we want it to stay loud. It should be loud and proud. I love that. I love that. I think it's excellent. Shante, one. You've got one. Yay! Woohoo! Brilliant. Tim, annoyingly, does win. Although, actually, I think I'm going to deduct some points just for, you know, being Tim. So let's call that a draw. Great. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for for joining me. Um, Always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. We'll we'll see you again. Um, I feel really quite chuffed with the fact that I managed to steal you for your debut and Jess didn't get to, but he'll be back <laughs> next week and um, you can join him for another EG like Sunday morning. Until then, that's uh, me saying goodbye. Goodbye. And from Tim. Bye bye. And from Shante. Bye. See you later. <laughs>